This episode of the Android Central Podcast is brought to you by MintSim, the best way to get cheap 4G LTE data in the U.S. Use offer code ACFREESHIP for free first-class shipping on any MintSim purchase. Hello and welcome to the Android Central Podcast for Thursday, November 9th, 2017. My name is Daniel Bader. And I'm joined by three awesome gentlemen located somewhere across the vast regions of the United States. To my virtual left, Russell Hawley, welcome back. Thank you. How are you? I am medicated. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Not not like Jerry medicated. Wait like, a minute. Okay, you're right. I had a weird thing with my back earlier this week, and so I have muscle relaxers. And now I know that I'm actually old. Yeah, welcome. I'm, I'm welcome a dad to the club. with back problems, so now like I've officially made it. There, I'm sure that there's a jacket showing up later this week. I'm going to start oh, yelling yeah. at my kids about squeezing the toothpaste from the middle and all kinds of exciting stuff I'm sure are going to happen just like overnight. It's going to be awesome. Well, the other medicated individual with the good stuff... That's Jerry Hildenbrand. How are you, man? Hey, hey, hey. How are you? I'm very good. Cool. And I'm so thrilled to welcome Dan De Silva, the lead deal man, the head honcho, the person leading the charge at our friends at Thrifter, who you've heard many times on this show. Dan De Silva, how are you, dude? That was some intro right there. Thank you. Um I am not medicated, just for the record. Um, I am a little woozy, though, because we were up la- late last night uh, leaking the Walmart Black Friday ad. So I'm, I may doze off here, but that's not uh, a medicated sleep. Just know that. I take this job very seriously. <laughs> so what do you mean by you leaked the Walmart ad? So I guess uh, back in the day, they the ads, you know, they used to go through the the printers and somebody would kind of grab one off and then it would make its way to the internet. Um, that doesn't really happen anymore. Most of the, most of the major retailers release their stuff, uh, through their apps or their website. So maybe leak was the wrong word. Um, but we were all on top of the second it unexpectedly was released last night. So I'm like, I'm really interested in this and, and we wanted you to come on Dan because it's getting up to Black Friday. We mentioned it last week on the first podcast in November. Black Friday is like the the the, bi- the biggest time of year for American shoppers. And I have to specify American shoppers because I'm Canadian. And we don't really do Black Friday. We do uh, Boxing Day, which is the day after Christmas, um, about a year right. later. However, well, though, that's not true. We do Black Friday, but it's not quite as big of a deal. But Black Friday is like the best time to get tech and the best time to get ga- uh, like deals in general. Um, so I, I kind of, I wanted to go through with you and, and I think you probably have a, a lot of insight into what's the best way to shop for those deals. And is it just going to, you know, Thrifter or any other website and like just looking through the, the, the uploaded pages of those circular uh, the circulars or like what what recommendations can you give us for finding those great deals out there well, i can tell you like you said it is the time of the year when you know all the deals are put right in front of you 
I will tell you that, uh, you know, the other 11 months out of the year, there are terrific deals that, you know, rival the discounts and prices that we'll see on Black Friday. However, you need to be spending a lot of time looking through them and staying up to date. During Black Friday and Thanksgiving time, the deals are, you know, there for the taking. But what I would recommend is have a plan and be prepared. So, you know, like you said, take a look at all the ads that are up already um, because the majority of the major players are already up. Like I said, last night uh, we uploaded the Walmart Black Friday ad. The night before was Best Buy. Um, I think Monday was Target. And then there have been other small retailers like, uh, well, smaller, relatively speaking, HP and Dell. So all those are up already. So we're about two and a half weeks out and you can already take a look at all the flyers before they come in the mail. So, you know, do your homework and, and target some deals and, and know what you're looking for. Don't don't get caught up in the moment and impulse buy a bunch of things, because even if it's on sale, if you, you know, if you don't need it and weren't planning to buy it, it's not not that much of a savings. Then uh, you're, you're just spending some of your money. Uh, but that's I would definitely the, recommend that. That's the story of my life, man. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not allowed to go Black Friday shopping anymore. My wife forbids it. Because she says, you, you stay here. I'm going to go over there and pick this up. And she comes back, and I'm in line with like a million dollars worth of stuff in my credit card in my hand, and it's all junk. <laughs> but I love it. Well, there, that's right. There is a lot of junk out there, too. So I will say that. Thank you for mentioning that. So there, I mean, these ads are anywhere from 30 to 60, 70 pages long, and they wow. are not all filled with gold. So for each ad, uh, each of the major ads, thrifters, taken a deep dive on them in our analysis pages and we've done uh the research to find the really good deals and then we've even called out the ones that are not so good so so some of them we have lukewarm deals and some of them we have cold deals so you definitely don't want to get caught up in the moment and just assume anything during this next four weeks that's on sale is a really good price Um, definitely do your research and i think that's where staying up to date on thrifter comes in hand because like i said we are researching and staying on top of everything 24 7 right now um, we have somebody you know always up monitoring the deal so we're kind of doing the hard work for you and then we're just surfacing cool. the really really good stuff i have this weird uh relationship with black friday and it, it actually appeals to another aspect of of dan de silva's life uh is actually my favorite part of his life <laughs> oh my god uh, <laughs> because uh uh, at, like for the last couple of years, I've done Black Friday shopping, but only for like one specific thing because Nintendo has this weird habit of releasing like a special variant of something on Black yes. Friday. Uh-huh. We've had a couple of years where there's been like Zelda edition DSs and stuff that have come out on Black Friday. And like if you're lucky, you can find them after Black Friday, but your best bet is to find like a GameStop and and just camp out like after you're done eating on Thanksgiving. And that's how you guarantee that you get that Zelda DS. And so like, that's the thing that I'm waiting for from, from Dan on thrifter is to come to me and be like, Russell, it's here. The Nintendo (laughs) stuff is here. And so I know like whether or not I'm going to be camping out again for more Nintendo crap, because that is the thing that Daniel and I have in common. So are you, are you Jonesing for that, uh, link edition 2DS that they announced? I think it's what $80. I want to say. Yeah, I think so because my son uh he has the original 2DS and uh and so he can't play some of the new stuff that came out. And so I'm I I got to I got to refresh his DS and I think that that's the one I'm going to do it with. Gotcha. I will tell you so it's in the ads out there. Um the only retailer that I've seen it go up for on pre-order was Target. 
and it was only up very briefly right after the Black Friday ad went. Um, yeah, I, I got a feeling GameStop is going to drop an ad and be like, hey, all the stores are going to have five because like that's their thing usually with Nintendo stuff each year. Yep, classic. I, I just want to go back like we're talking Black Friday right now, but, you know, we have a tradition every week, um, you know, thrifter. And we just want to make make the distinction very clear for those out there. Thrifter sponsors this podcast. The company Thrifter sponsors it. You are on the editorial side. So you are the curator. You're the person who's in charge of all the deals. Um, and there, there's no overlap there. I mean, just to make that very clear. So we have a tradition on this on, on the podcast. Um, we, we want to spice up the the ad segment. So we go through Thrifter every week. And each of us picks our favorite deal. And there's always something there. I mean, we can have five, six people on the podcast. There's always at least five or six great deals out there. Um, and you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of crap. There's a lot of stuff that you ignore. How do you differentiate? What's the thing that gets you, tech or not, about a deal that d- like determines whether you post it to Thrifter? So there's a, probably a couple different pieces we take into consideration. First of all, no matter the price or anything like that, if the product is crap, it's never going to be a deal at any price. So any product that we are sharing um, will always be something that we would be using ourselves or we would recommend or gets high ratings and reviews and is from a uh, well-established, you know, reputable company. So first and foremost, it has to be a great product. And then we take a look at historical pricing information on it. So we'll look at the trend of uh, you know, if you take a product, for example, and you see the MSRP on it or the retail price, a lot of times that's not what it actually sells for. So when we're looking at deals, we're comparing to what we call the street price. And the street price is if, you know, on any given day of the week, Daniel Bader was to walk into Best Buy, he would probably see that uh, laptop or Chromebook sitting there for this price, not the actual retail price. So that's what we use as our comparisons. So you're not going to find like the, you know, 80% off, you know, 80% off a price it's never, ever, ever sold for. So um, we're definitely realistic with that. And we're finding really good prices on really good products. And the other thing is the retailer too. So we take into account, you know, we don't want to be recommending a great price on a great product from a sketchy vendor that isn't going to deliver the product or isn't going to support it or offer customer service or has a crappy warranty or return policy. You know, we were, we love the big players like Amazon, um, Best Buy, Target, Walmart, GameStop, everything like that. So the, all those pieces come into play, and that's how we kind of go from the hundreds and thousands of deals that we look at on a daily basis to the uh, couple dozen that we end up actually sharing on the website. Okay, so that that brings us to um, the the three circulars that you've really analyzed on Thrifter so far. Uh Target, Best Buy, and Walmart. Now, I'm, I'm I, I look through each of them, and and they all have some. There's some crazy deals, like insane stuff. Uh, do you want to go through a few of them and and maybe just talk about the highlights? Yeah, sure. I mean, anybody who pulls up the Best Buy ad, undoubtedly they're going to see that TV staring at you in page one. The 50-inch 4K TV for $180. <laughs> that is, like, no doubt going to catch everybody's eye. Uh, and, I mean, there's a couple things to take into consideration there. That is, like, the ultimate Black Friday deal. So it is kind of a bare-bones model. Um, you know, it's a uh, it's only at Best Buy. So, you know, 
they probably worked with Sharp and, and got it a really great price on it. Maybe they're using lower cost components. Um, the other thing to check out there is that it's in-store only. So it's a doorbuster. There's probably going to be, depending on the size of the location that you go to, I would guess five to 12 units. So if you want that TV that bad, you are going to be camping out for a little bit. And depending on what's part of the country and you're going to be freezing your little butt off. Uh, but it may be worth it to you. Uh, if you have the time and you want to you know, go out there and have some fun, definitely worth it. But things to keep in mind with that one. And the other and, what's that? Sorry. So just, just for, for an example like that, because I've always been curious, um, Best Buy isn't making any money off a deal like that, right? They're not, they're, there's really no margin on TVs anyway. So why are they doing this? I mean, what, what about doorbusters is attractive? I, I, I know the answer. It gets people in the store, right. but is it worth it to them? I mean, they're, they're probably losing money off every television they sell that day. Yeah, I would assume it's a loss leader. I mean, I don't know how the, you know, the numbers shake out for them on that, but at that price, I would assume so. But like you said, so somebody's not going to camp out for 12 to 16 hours and then walk in and just buy that one product. They're going to be like, you know, I've been sitting out here all freaking night. I am going to buy a couple products and make this worthwhile. And that's, I think, what Best Buy is counting on. All right. So what else? What else is there? I mean, I'm looking at a ring doorbell for a hundred bucks. Like that seems also, you know, one of the one of the better products you can get for what is it? A Benjamin? I don't know U.S. currency. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. So that is you have a good eye. That is one of the deals that we picked out. Um a couple different retailers are showing it in their ads and Best Buy actually kicked off an early Black Friday sale when they released their ad that's going through Saturday, this Saturday. And you can go on the bestbuy.com right now and buy that ring doorbell for $100. You don't have to wait. Um, Amazon also had that pricing earlier today, but they have gone out of stock. Um, but you're right. That's a great deal. It's available now. So if you don't want to wait and you know risk not getting it, you can go get it right now. Daniel, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna expense a ring doorbell. Absolutely, I think everybody should. Okay, it's my favorite piece of smart home tech. Um, I, really, it's the it's the only one that's reliable. I want one. I want one really bad. And a hundred bucks. That's that's just an yeah. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, that's a terrific deal. So if you go, if you log yourself on to Thrifter this afternoon, go, you know, you see our post. We're featuring that deal, and you can head over to Best Buy or Amazon if they restock it, and you can go buy it for a hundred bucks today. You don't have to wait. Um, the other thing around the smart homes is, you know, on the front page of Target's ad, you'll see the Google Home Mini for twenty nine dollars. Um, so that's a great price right off the bat. Target's also throwing in a free ten dollar gift card on top of that. So assuming you use that $10 gift card, your effective price on a Google Home Mini, brand new, is $19. But wait, our Walmart last night came out with a very similar offer. They're doing the $29 Google Home Mini as well. But instead of a $10 gift card, they're offering a $25 uh, credit for Google Express. So this is a little bit more of a specific deal, but if it applies to you and you can take advantage of it, you'd pretty much be getting the Google Home Mini for $4 out of pocket, assuming you can use that $25 credit to Google Express. Yeah, so I see these a lot. I mean, the carriers do this all the time where they they do a BOGO deal. They'll they'll say, hey, you can get a Galaxy two Galaxy S8s for the price of one. But in the fine print, it's actually 
you buy two up front and we'll send you a $750 prepaid credit card after six months or a year of, of you know, your account being in good standing, something like that. Um, you know, this isn't the same, you know, scale, but this is clearly like Google is really pushing a, the, the um, home mini. It, you can see that from every perspective, especially now that it's gimped. Uh, we should, excuse my language, ah. that's not, not, a, not a good way to put that. But especially now that it's been, um, you know, that the functionality has been purposefully limited. Um, but I, I just wonder, like, this is a product that seems to be on every single retailer's list, you know? Mm-hmm. Why would Google be willing to sell this so cheap? That's a good question. I mean, they must not cost them that much to produce. I uh, think the, the home mini is also a loss leader for Google, just like the TVs for Best Buy. Look at the data they collect through that thing. Yeah, that's true. And same thing what do you with mean, uh, Jerry? the Echo products. The the home mini, if if they can get you to buy a home mini for 29 bucks, they can get you to participate and ask it things and have it play things and give them more information about you so they can better serve you and people that fit in your demographics ads. And presumably sign up for Google Express, which is right, right. A, another service that Google is is really pushing hard es- this year. Especially if you're getting it, that uh, bonus from Walmart to use on Google Express. That's genius. Right. Yeah, that's the hook. So, um, Dan, what about for kids? I'm seeing a couple things highlighted on your uh, on the Walmart circular, Hatchimals, which I think is a, a big deal this year. I know it was a big deal last year. Yeah, um, last year it was a big deal just to find one in stock. You had to knock people over to get one. Um, this year we're actually, you know, there's some, there's actually inventory available and we're actually seeing some discounts on it, which is nice to see. All right. And what else, what else are you uh, highlighting here? Oh man, there's a lot. So like I said, the Best Buy early sale that they launched a couple days ago is actually really, really good. Um, a couple of standout things there. You got the DJI Spark uh, drone for $400. Oh, which I want is... one of them too. <laughs> Down, oh, man, you, you are going to get in trouble with your wife, I'm, I'm I thinking. I know, I know. And I even went and got my credit card while y'all were talking because I did order that ring doorbell. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Um, so there's the Bose CQ. QC25 noise canceling headphones for 180, which is available now too. Uh, we got the Samsung Smart Things Smart Home for $50. It usually goes for 100, and uh, you know we've seen it down this low before, um, but it's usually only a few times a year. So if if you really want to deck your home out in smart gear, uh, you know now's the time. You can get the hub for 50, and then the add-ons and sensors and things like that are also discounted as well. So you can. You can really go all out on it. So just in terms of strategy in general for this time of year, uh, what do you recommend people do if they want to get these deals, but they don't necessarily want to line up outside a store? Is there any strategy that they can implement? You know, we hear um, on, on like the iMore side, everybody was saying, this is what you need to do to prepare to buy an iPhone 10 at 3 a.m., um, when it goes on sale, but like, is there, are there just general best practices for what you can do during best Friday deals? Yeah. So, I mean, it's you against, you know, the rest of the world, everybody trying to refresh those pages as quickly as possible to get the, you know, the doorbuster TVs or whatever it may be. 
So the same principles would kind of apply that, like you said, to the iPhone launch in which you are going to want to clear all your browsers, clear the cache, make sure they're clean and, and ready to go. You're also going to want to limit the number of devices and bandwidth hogging services that you're running on your network at the time. You know, the quicker the Wi-Fi and quicker the speeds you have, the better uh, you and quicker you'll be able to check out um, and, not, and not get that big red sold out uh, sign. The other thing is to have all your accounts set up. So go through your Amazon, your Best Buy accounts, your Walmart. Make sure you know the password, first of all, because you don't want to be you don't want to get the hot product in your cart, go to checkout, and you don't know your password, and then it sells out. And the other thing is you want to make sure the information's all up to date on your account. So make sure your mailing address, your billing address, and make sure your credit card is saved and up to date because you don't want to have your old credit card number in there, and then you go to checkout, sold out again. So I, I'm just doing those basic principles of, of being prepared and ready, and then obviously keeping tuned to you know Thrifter. We're on the social channels. We're actually... Our entire team is flying to Miami for the week of Black Friday. We're going to be working out of a central location. Uh, we're normally all remote throughout the year, but it's just easier for us to to really dominate the Black Friday week if we're all in the same room together. And we're going to have a live webcam so you can watch us going crazy, kind of like a newsroom. Um, and and we're going to be covering it. And can, can I come to Miami? Uh, I'll just like get really lit and play StarCraft. Um, is that all you're going to be able to bring to the table? Hey, that's enough, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's really good for morale. I, I can, I can vouch for it. I just, I love Miami, especially in November. Oh yeah. We, we were there, uh, I want to say six to eight weeks or so ago and it was still way too hot. So I'm looking forward to late November in Miami, uh, especially getting out of the Northeast. But yeah, I mean, if you if you can bring those skills to the table, that sounds like a real asset there, I'm Jerry. I'm good at StarCraft, man. I'm like really good. We were going to bring a Super Nintendo Classic to to help us pass the time overnight when, uh, I can, you know. I can eat some mushrooms, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm there. Oh, that sounds like a lot of entertainment now. Um, I actually have a question about that. Is Nintendo going to make enough super nintendo classics for black friday because i still cannot find one yeah i don't think so um if you take a look at the ads the nintendo switch is in uh, most of the major retailers um but it's not discounted at all which isn't surprising and they're pretty much just advertising that there's going to be some availability we haven't seen the super nintendo in anybody's ads um, the good news is that it seems like there is more available inventory this year of the Super Nintendo than there was of the NES last year. Uh, you definitely just can't walk into a store and pick one up off the shelf. But if you put a little effort into it and are frequently checking your stores and following all the retailers and, and thrifter online, you know they'll let you know when there's uh, an inventory drop and you can jump on it. Um, it's a little easier than last year, but it, it's definitely not easy by any means. Do do stores, I know, and I'll, I'll single out Best Buy here because this actually happened to me and it's been 10 years ago. Uh, they released a, a special color 3DS, just like Russell was saying. And the only reason I got one is because I knew somebody that worked at Best Buy and when they were unboxing them the night before, he said, hey, be here at 10 o'clock and we're putting this out on the shelf. It's not on sale, but it's part of our Black Friday thing and we're going to, 
you know, hit the the radio when it comes out, but no print ad. Do they still do these last minute surprises? So, yeah. yeah. So there's two pieces there I want to tackle. First of all, there's definitely going to be some late additions to these ads. If you go look at the Best Buy one now, you'll see they kind of left a couple teasers in there. And they usually end up adding a couple last minute, especially if they're reacting to what maybe one of their major competitors did. So if Walmart comes out with something really great, Best Buy is going to get together. All the executives in the room, they're going to be like, all right, we need to step it up and, uh, you know, find something to get people at our store on on Black Friday. So there definitely will be. And what you're saying with the uh, being on the inside scoop on inventory, I will tell you this. As long as this stays between the four of us on this call, I'll tell you this. Okay. Okay. If you were looking to get the Super Nintendo Classic or the Switch or something that's super high in demand and, you know, you're willing to go out to your local location, but you don't have any friends that are working in the back room there, what you can do is go on a website called BrickSeek or Now in Stock. And these websites are actually hooked up with the inventory levels of the physical locations. So usually the night before when the delivery comes in, you can get an alert or check these websites and it'll say, okay, this Walmart has six Super Nintendo units in and it's going to take them the night their inventory guys to process them. But when the doors open in the next morning, you know that they have that box waiting there for them. So you can check around all your locations without leaving your bed. So you don't have to get up and, and run out every morning and waste your time. You can check, check the inventory le- Check the inventory levels of the physical locations uh, using those websites. And who's you know, providing ch- those inventory levels? Oh my god, this is amazing! Yeah, so that's good for like Legos too, or any any really hard to find thing. Or if you're looking for a clearance item, uh, I don't know where the exact uh, hookup is, Daniel, but it it's right on the dime. So it's it's pretty much tied into their real real time inventory. And the second that Walmart, Target, or Walmart to Target are on it. The second that their employee scans that box when it gets to their uh, their loading dock, it registers on that website and you know about it. So sometimes if, if you get that notification really fast and you run down there, that box could still be sitting on their dock and it hasn't even been processed. And they don't even, the employees out front don't even know that it's there yet. But, you know, you got the inside scoop. So, yeah, just keep that between us and uh, and then we'll all be good here. All right. Yeah, I'm glad Secrets. that nobody listened to this podcast. <laughs> Perfect. That the one time really it comes helpful. in handy for you too, because nobody can hear about all the great deals on Thrifter too. It's good practice um, for me to get my pitch down, anyways. So, other than the, I mean, Black Friday is the best time of year. But can you talk about what other great times of year um, you should look forward to to try to find deals? I mean, is there stuff around Christmas, um, or is it kind of localized? at that you know, end of November time period. Yeah, for sure. So uh, December is going to be really popular as well. Um, we've already seen some retailers that are, are talking about their last minute run up to Christmas and run up to holiday deals that they're planning. And usually it's around uh, December 17th, December 18th. Um, every year is when the retailers make their final push to try and really get as many sales as possible. But then throughout the year, too, so back to school is usually a really good time to grab tech, even if you're not uh, going back to school and looking for the you know traditional items. A lot of the retailers out there are discounting technology and gadgets, computers, everything like that. 
Um, but like I said, there are great deals throughout the year. Uh, you just need to be looking hard and, and being vigilant on it. Um, that's kind of where, where we come in and, and our obsessiveness ends up paying off. All right. So one last question, because um, I know you have to get going. Uh, you got a lot of stuff to prepare for. It's true. Very busy. So very important. Amazon is saying that this year they're going to be doing a whole bunch of deals that could only be accessed using Alexa. Sorry if I have turned on anybody's echo. Um, <laughs> is that is that a thing? I mean, should you actually use A to um, try to find great deals or are they only going to be slightly better or just in sh- such limited numbers compared to what you'd, you'd find on Amazon's website? No, they are actually really good. So they Amazon hasn't announced their plans for Black Friday yet. But this year during Prime Day, they gave uh, Alexa users, I think, a two hour head start on some of their best deals. So you could, you know, boot up your Alexa device, ask her to order you uh, I don't know, whatever a Philips Hue kit maybe they had on sale. And you could buy that two hours before anybody could log on to the website to do that. And they also have exclusive discounts, too, like you said. The the thing that makes them difficult is keeping up with them and finding out. So they do have a landing page on Amazon that kind of has all their deals laid out for Alexa. And it tells you exactly the command to use to order the cool. deal. And and they really are terrific. Um, like I said, it's just it's a lot to keep up with and a lot to share because you can't easily just give somebody a link or something like that. Um, but it's definitely something to be aware of. And I would say that, you know, it's worth going out and, and spending the 30 to $50 on an Echo Dot to have it by your side for Black Friday to, you know, get some extra savings. I would say that for sure. And I know that if Phil were here, he would say the same thing. <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. Um, and Russell, actually, you had a pretty good uh, article go on the site yesterday about comparing how... Uh, Echo does compared to Google Assistant or, or Google Home uh, in terms of at answering questions. And I think it was surprising that Alexa won. Um, yeah, it, it caught me off guard. And I think in more than a couple ways uh, revealed some internal bias that I have about uh, Google Home versus Alexa for, for a couple of things. Because like I ended up running some of the tests multiple times because I was like, no, that can't be right. Google's definitely better at this thing. And yeah, it, it caught me off guard. Well, go read it because it's really interesting. Uh, anyway, I know, Dan, I know you have to go. So thank you so much for joining us. It's been really, really cool having you and really interesting. Um, I, I hope everybody uh, learned something. I know I learned something. I learned that I should be living in the U.S. Um, <laughs> and, and Dude, I, if I, you can play StarCraft, you can come crash on my couch. We'll have a blast. Awesome. I know that <laughs> we should talk about that right after Dan goes because I actually want to say something about it. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. It was, uh, it was really cool having you. Hey, I'm glad you guys uh, took the time and let let me have this platform to come on and talk about deals and Black Friday and everything. That's great. Hey, dude, you helped me get a ring doorbell. That's cool. Hey, Thanks. Hey, there you go. <laughs> don't tell your wife that was me, though. I don't want I, to be blamed for that. I even spent the 10 bucks to get the fast shipping. <laughs> You're, that's right. cutting God. into your savings. I You're ruining be allowed, the savings. I shouldn't be allowed to have a credit card. No, absolutely <laughs> Especially not. not a company credit card. This is a bad idea. All right. Well, thank you, Dan. Uh, if anybody's interested in checking out uh, everything else, go to thrifter.com. And as we say every week, if you want that uh, if you want that newsletter in your inbox, sign up. It's going to be a good time to sign up for it right now. Do it. It's the best thing you've done all year. Do it. Do it. All right. It. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. 
I know that like the you know thrifters are is like our sponsor and stuff, but I I have to say, I I have this weird like negative uh, relationship with uh, with coupon clippers, like like the super coupon people. <laughs> And so I was, I was admittedly like initially hesitant to do this whole, let's check out what thrifter is doing every single day. But like, I've, I've legit saved a ton of money getting stuff that I was going to buy anyway, because it has shown up either in the thrifter Twitter feed or just been on the site when I went and looked. And, and, and that makes me really happy that Dan is, <laughs> is leading the charge on that. Cause he's so smart about how he does it. And I swear that thrifter is not paying me to say this. I genuinely thought it was a really good idea as someone who doesn't like the the whole you know only shop for things when there are crazy deals you coupon clippers are some of you are downright poisonous I, thrifter i've got some cool stuff that i didn't need but yeah. it's cool i mean I, I i ordered a bunch of that sugru and it came and i don't know what i'm going to do with it but i got 24 little bars of it i think i'm going to make myself a chair so we will get to talking about android in just a second but i, I don't know the, <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> Don't apologize, because listen, like we've been really hardcore over the last few weeks talking about Pixel 2 problems, new phones, everything like that. I think we deserve to just chill a little bit and talk about other things in the world of tech. Um, so I'm actually curious, because I read this thing, uh, Jerry, you mentioned StarCraft. StarCraft 2 is going free-to-play starting like, yeah. soon, if not already, um, where you get the first campaign for free. Am I... Am I is this right? Am I am I talking about this? Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, it's it's right. So, so I'm just I'm, I'm curious. Like Blizzard does this thing where it keeps you addicted to its games for basically ever. And you know, I I read this insane statistic that World of Warcraft is 13 years old already. It came out in 2004, and Blizzard is still updating it because it's such a an addictive game. StarCraft Two, uh, it it came out in 2010. And it's now going well, free they, to play. They cheated with StarCraft. Where's StarCraft 2? Why? Because they broke it out into multiple games. Mm-hmm. You know, like the original StarCraft, you you played through the you played through the campaign for the 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 Protoss and then the Zerg and then the humans. Uh, right. And StarCraft 2, each one of those campaigns were different games. Oh, okay. uh, and so like if you wanted to play the like we didn't get to play the the Protoss campaign until kind of recently. Uh, you know, so it was like in order to get what would be considered the full game, like you, you had to really wait. So like the, the online gameplay is the part that's free to play now, uh, which is awesome because the online gameplay is why a ton of people still play, but it it is a little different. I get that that's probably pedantic for some people who aren't like fans of Starcraft, but it, and even though that they did a really good job telling that story over three games, it still kind of annoyed me. I, I agree. So, I mean, I, I bailed on StarCraft too. I just ain't into that. So the other thing too is that um, StarCraft, the first game, just went. Um, it got remastered back in August, and it's now fifteen bucks. And I, I'm sure I speak for a lot of people listening. Where you know, when I say StarCraft was probably my favorite game for many years, both as a single player campaign and as a LAN activity playing it with people at internet cafes people we would have you know i would have some friends over to the house and we would play counter-strike and we'd play starcraft and i have these endearing or enduring memories of of those early years of starcraft and it's crazy to think it's almost 20 years old um but 
I don't know. I mean, do you guys have those memories or do you, do you associate such positive things with this game that's still uh, played by millions of people? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, like StarCraft in particular, that was my first uh, uh, like raid party game with friends where like and it, and it was at a time where nobody had gaming laptops. So, I mean, it was three friends walking down the street, literally holding a, you know, a, a, a tube monitor uh, a tower and and a, uh, a a laundry basket full of cables and keyboards and stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, like as as we as we walk, you know, kind of gathered into a single location so that we could you know crush a whole bunch of caffeine and play all night. So yeah, I I definitely feel that. Well, uh, Starcraft and, and Diablo too. I mean, we don't want to forget about that. That's that like yeah. made online gaming a thing too. There there were oh, online yeah, games before, but. I mean, Diablo, especially Diablo 2 and then StarCraft, really, they just changed that entire, you know, the way we think about online gaming. So I, I don't know if I've told you guys this story, but um, I'm going to get personal for a second. And you can probably tell how old I am based on this. But Star- Diablo 2 was like my my life for a while. Um, and for a little bit of time, the there was a, an active marketplace where you could sell <laughs> real the items. real money auction house I made on eBay. $2,070 the first <laughs> month Diablo 2 came out, and I will always cherish that memory. <laughs> you lost it or you made no, it? No, I made it. Okay. So similar, I was so addicted to this. I was selling Stones of Jordan. I was making, you know, selling yep. rare items. I was, I was doing my thing. I paid for my first custom-made computer using money that I earned from rare items on, oh, on yeah. Diablo 2. And my parents were so upset because I wasn't doing any of my homework <laughs> that they physically, while I was at school one day, came in and confiscated my computer and didn't let me ha- have it for another six weeks. Oh, and then man. I had to then I had to agree that when I got it back, I would only play for like two hours after school because I wasn't sleeping. I was basically going to school staying up all night playing Diablo 2, waking up early, and then playing more Diablo 2. And it was like ruining me. But you were making that cash money. I was until they <laughs> so, stopped. So basically yeah. they <laughs> they got ahead of it and they stopped letting you do it. If you look at like an, an hourly commensurate right there, he really wasn't making that well, cash money. Yeah. yeah, there's a million hours before you make the first dollar. That's right. I, But it's fun. It was so fun. I, oh my I had God. a blast. You, eventually, you learn where to farm, and then the on the Korean server, they figured out how to dupe the stuff. So all I needed to do was find one, and bam, here I got. You want to buy something? I got 70 of them. Come buy them, dollar a piece. Oh, man, that was, yeah. That, then the value of things like Stones of Jordan went right down because yep. you could just dupe them and nobody, the, the value. And I mean, at you know, I was like, what, 13, 14 years old at the time. So this was really interesting to me that there was this like microeconomy within the game that, and, and you could peg the value of a dollar to a Stone of Jordan. Right. So there were things, you know, at, at one day you, you'd get three, four dollars for one. Other days you get six or seven, depending on the, um, how many there were in the in the world, and then just like anything, when there's cheap knockoffs, in, you know, in this case, it was just people duping them. The value went down to nothing, 
it's yep. it's wild. It's like Zimbabwe when the value yeah. of the Zimbabwean dollar dropped to zero, you now had to peg the currency to the U.S. dollar to avoid like hyperinflation. Um, and we were dealing with that exact same thing just inside a game. And for me, at least at an age where I had no idea what inflation was. So I don't know. This It's fascinating to me. Anyway, Android? <laughs> <laughs> we do probably need to talk a little bit of Android. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm having Maybe so much for this few minutes. I don't okay, know. So the, the Stone of Jordan podcast has a ring to it. I like it. Did I think we should it? do ring, that anyway. Ring, come on. This is, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna guide this a little bit. Daniel had a review up earlier this week of the Gear Fit Two. Yes. And I am painfully excited about talking to you about this, and that's a weird thing for me because I've been way more physically active recently, and I've come to realize that like the the Apple Watch and a lot of the Android Wear watches they're really bad at being fitness trackers okay and so i like your your review painted i I feel like exactly what i'm looking for which is a fitness tracker that also does that or rather a fitness tracker that does the smartphone notification stuff well enough like not as good as android wear or or the apple watch respectively but but better than, say, the stuff that Fitbit does or some of these other third-party things. And, and so I wanted, to, I wanted to bug you about that a little bit. Okay, so here's what I'll say about this. Uh, a lot of people saw this and they thought that it was ugly. It probably looks uglier in a photo than it does in real life. It's, be- it, it's, not, okay, it's not beautiful as a product. I think it's fine. It's, it's tall and skinny. Uh, the vertical screen is is unique, and I you'll either kind of love that or hate that. But I find it very practical on the one hand. Uh, the screen is amazing, and for for what you get, you basically get ninety five percent of a smartwatch experience with uh, at about half the price of a of a good smartwatch. But there's none of the extra crap that goes along with it. Um, so. The, the heart rate sensing is continuous, which means that you don't just get the uh, you don't just get your metrics when you're actually recording your your uh, workouts. Workout measurement is automatic, which means that once you start working out, it'll automatically kick in. You have all these different settings for your different workouts, not just running, walking, biking. It's you know, it's swim proof, so you can measure your swims. It can measure things like, you know, like crunches. So if you're doing a lot of sit-ups, push-ups, crun- um, crunches, things like that, it'll measure those. It's pretty smart about that. It's, the sensors are fairly accurate. Um, and the screen is awesome. So you get very sharp text. And the haptics are something that I haven't found to be as good. Uh, or Most Android Wear watches, haptics suck. And this has great hap- haptics, which, like on the Apple Watch, is very important because you just get pinged very subtly and it tells you your notifications are there. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like it. How well does this play with Android phones that are not made by Samsung? I haven't hooked it up to a Samsung phone at all. Um, really? Yeah, so I hooked it up to a Pixel 2 and a Huawei Mate 9 or something. I don't know, one of the Huaweis. And it's fine. I mean, it does everything. The only thing I think you don't get 
is no samsung pay doesn't work on this because there's no nfc so yeah it's identical and you get samsung health optionally if you want to store all of your workout data up in the cloud um i mean that is only that is the one caveat here is that you do have to use samsung services which is in this case fine because samsung health is a lot better than most other samsung uh platforms it's actually quite robust so i don't mind that at all cool i mean honestly it's about time i like we constantly have to add caveats to a lot of the the cool Samsung stuff by saying like, oh, it only works with this one Android phone and yeah. the other Samsung phones, like the you know the the earbuds and and some of the other cool stuff that they've done over the last year. So I'm glad that Samsung is is uh, is like you know fixing that. I wonder what they're doing. I'm curious to see what they're doing differently from a software perspective. Well, Tizen or Tizen is very good at at this it's 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 a um it's low power it there's not a lot of overhead here it's touch friendly in a way that it took android years to get that touch friendly um and as a result battery life is amazing so you get three three and a half four days out of this on a 200 milliamp hour battery um which is great because like one of the major reasons I like using Fitbit products is the battery life. Um, the other part of not like, you know, the reason I hate using Fitbit products is that it's everything else is terrible. So, <laughs> and like, since you brought that up, anybody review. like anybody who has like the, the Fitbits, you're not allowed to say anything about what you think this, this uh, gear fit Two looks like. Daniel, if you go more than 50 feet out your front door, does it call the police? Because that sucker looks like, you know, that, that's what I see. It it looks like a convict bracelet or whatever they're called. Well, because like the one the one Daniel has is like it's it's this real nice black on top and it's like a matte black around the strap and everything. And then the, the sides are this like candy apple red. Yeah. like I, I The top picture, I thought there was like an LED there that maybe you strayed away too far and now it's blinking uh, red and it's going to shock you. I know. Now are they are they all that red on the side or, or does Samsung have options there? No, there's a black version. It's all black. The strap is black. Um, it's probably better suited to some people. I really like the red. I, yeah. I dig the, the aesthetic of this overall. And the, the reality is that you're not, I'm not really looking at the right. side of this a lot. I'm looking at the fact that this 1.5 inch AMOLED screen is basically the best screen that you'll find on a wearable. And that includes the Apple watch. Like, I don't mind what Samsung is doing with this. And I don't need to wear a Gear Sport. I don't need to wear a Gear S3. I have enough functionality in here that I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything, especially since, to be honest, the Samsung or Tizen ecosystem is so bare bones that if yeah. an app isn't available for the Gear Sport, or the, sorry, the Gear Fit 2, it's not even a problem. Because the the app on the Gear Sport would be pretty much terrible. Like that's a guarantee. <laughs> now, uh, this is also it. the The strap on this thing is is totally replaceable too. And I think I remember you saying that there are or there are already third party straps on like Amazon and stuff. Yeah, I mean it's a twenty four millimeter strap. It's not. There aren't a lot of um, great choices, but they will do the job. There are some metal straps. There's, I mean, you can see, like, if you go to my review, um, 
the strap, especially on the red and black version, has been designed to to flow seamlessly into the chassis. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do, if you if you try to buy a third party strap, it's going to look pretty stark. The black one will probably be fine, but yeah, I'm not a huge fan of this strap. the The Gear Fit Two, not this version, had a one of those like punch straps where you um you would put like a the, the piece of plastic into the hole to secure it. Uh, this has a clasp on it, which is much more secure. And I prefer that a lot. So they made the right decisions here. This isn't a drastic improvement over the Fit 2 Pro, sorry, the Fit 2 from last year, but it's now water resistant, waterproof up to five atmospheres, which is better than the IP68 rating from last year. Um, it now has slightly better battery life and uh there's a couple other improvements as well that i am blanking on but yeah i mean basically it's it's 170 bucks like you can't really go wrong and the five atmospheres thing for people who don't know it's not quite waterproof enough for like a diver to use someone who's going to go like actual deep sea diving but it's really close uh, so like you, you could, any normal person could wear this in any water condition and never be concerned about like water damage. Um, but it's, it's still not quite good enough for, for an actual diver to use. So me in the jacuzzi isn't going to ruin it. No. Yeah. You'd be fine. Okay. And, yeah, and, and it, you know what? I made fun of the way it looked earlier, but honestly, that's just me being a clown. It doesn't matter how it looks because the way y'all are talking, it works so damn good. Yeah, I'm I'm honestly like I was really surprised reading Daniel's review. I'm I'm very excited to get one for myself. Um and just to be clear, it's not necessarily about when when you say atmospheres, that's referring to the pressure right. Right, exerted by the depths, not necessarily the type of water or anything. So five atmospheres is equivalent to fifty meters. Um, but obviously if you're in like a I don't know, like a, a vacuum type of situation. I don't know if it would withstand that kind of pressure, but just regularly, like if you're in the pool or in the sea, and I believe that this does count towards salt water, so you can use it in the sea. Um, and I, I would say that... I'm pretty sure if they specify atmospheres, yes, it's any liquid. It, it is any liquid. This is something I did a, a ton of, just an unhealthy amount of research on the first time I found a wearable that said that it was up to five atmospheres because I live with a diver. Uh, and so it was, it was really exciting to, to, you know, be like, Hey, this is a thing you could wear diving. And then I got like an hour lecture about why I was wrong. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's very kind of cool awesome. thing that we're seeing more devices, uh, with that rating, the, the five atmospheres waterproof rating. I, I like that we're seeing more, uh, you know, wearable tech and fitness tech and stuff like that coming with that feature. Cause that's, that is a good thing for swimmers and and especially like uh marathon swimmers and and things like that because that, that's usually a, a pretty significant concern you know if you're if you're a swimmer who's doing like you know a 10 mile swim uh you know a lot of the wearable things are, are actually not going to work very well in that situation whereas this would oh yeah any anything that you wear on your wrist it's better to be liquid resistant than water resistant right because you know you spear beer on the table at lunch or you know any of that stuff a water resistant phone doesn't necessarily isn't isn't protected against that because it's 
designed for the viscosity of water. Five atmospheres, it's pressure. Doesn't matter what kind of liquid it is. So that's cool. I wonder if we're going to see a phone that is five atmospheres compliant. That's, that's hard tough. because battery, when you get to bigger batteries, yeah. like pressure does like different terrible things when you have bigger batteries. And but a speaker. The, yeah, and that's, the speaker, that's tough. Uh, and, yeah. and the microphone, like there, there are components yep. there that end up, that are challenging. But I'm, I'm curious to see what comes next from manufacturers after, because like IP68 is the standard now, right? Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see what comes next. Like who, which, which company is going to go? We are better than IP68. As, as an example, you remember that gigantic phone Sony made, and they made the Google Play edition Xperia something. Oh, yep, the Xperia Z Plus. I so, think. Something, you know, Xperia something or other. I had one, and the battery died in it, and of course, it's not a removable battery, so it's just sitting here. And I tinkered around with it and got it to where it would stay alive for a few minutes at a time. It was waterproof, but then I put it in distilled water because I no longer cared about it. Gone instantly. Yep. Dis- oh, it's a Z Ultra. It yeah. was a Z Ultra. Distilled water seeped right inside of it. That was like one of the first six-inch phones. I hated that phone. Hated it so much. You know who really loved it? And I ended up having a really long conversation <laughs> with him about why he loved it. Uh, JBQ. When he was still right. working at Google, I had a long conversation with him because he loved that phone. To be fair, he hacked the living crap out of it. Oh, why sure. He loved no, it. It, it, right. But, but the the size of the display, yes. like that, that appealed to him. Uh, and it was it was just a fascinating conversation. I wanted to hate it. I wanted to hate it so bad because it was such uh, a pain in the ass to carry around. But it was a tablet that you could make phone calls on. And, you know, that's a little bit more handier than you think. I, I, I have back to say when I had a go ahead. That was it. I'm just saying, you know, it, it's oh. a, it's a tablet maps is better. There's a lot of stuff that's better on a big screen. I made my, uh, my one Sony contact very angry when he handed me his and I, I walked over and put sushi on it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, look, I made it better. It's so featureful now. Um, and he didn't talk to me for a little while after that. It was gorilla glass. The so razor blades didn't scratch the screen. So, it's interesting. I, I I remember like back in the day, the Google Play Edition phones were so important to geeks like us that just wanted yeah. the stock Android experience. Galaxy S4 came with a, uh, it, it was a Google Play Edition. There was the Z Ultra, a couple others as well. That went away um, and it doesn't seem, there's no desire for that anymore with the Pixel phones now and and others but uh, well if there's some desire wouldn't you love a galaxy s8 plus google play edition come on no. man oh god i, I would here's the thing I, I uh i i had a lot of thoughts about this when the play edition stuff first came out because the thing that nobody was willing to to admit at the time uh was that it it had nothing to do with the uh, the quality of the hardware, you know, the the Galaxy phone and the HTC phone that came out, the the Google Play edition. Nobody bought them because they were the same price as the the regular versions yeah. of those phones, which were more expensive at the time than the Nexus program. And the appeal to the Nexus program, a lot of the time, was cost. Like you know, there there were some software purists, and and you know, I, I certainly uh, you know appreciated, especially back then. Uh, you know, the the pure Android experience over what Samsung and HTC were offering. But 
the the price was the real clincher for a lot of people for those phones and you know the 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 bottom line for a lot of this stuff is we we have it way better now with a lot of these phones where we can just you know turn off a lot of these features that you just couldn't do before all right i see your point damn it i still Look, I get one. it i think that there's there is a desire from a few people to get back to that but to some extent google um or android one is is kind of that replacement yeah and, at the lower end i agree yeah but i mean even it's not even like that lower end or, or low end anymore I mean, the moto x4 for instance like that would have been a pretty viable gpe yep um so i don't know unpopular opinion i'd really like a pixel that's in google play edition uh you know you're not alone I, that's I've like the upside those, uh, down version of the I've been pixel thinking about taking one of last year's and unlocking it and just building straight out aosp for right. it you know jerry and i get into this conversation every once in a while where you know the the google's version of android and and android are not the same thing and they haven't been for a little while now you know, like like Android source where you can go and where there's nothing in there. Google Play is not a thing. Like it, it's the the weird bare bones packages of apps that none of us have actually used in a couple of years. Right. Uh, you know what what a lot of people I think who are who are the the kind of Android purists really want is a, a nice phone like a like an HTC U11 or a, or a Galaxy uh, you know S8 or something and the 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 Nexus launcher and the the new Google camera, like as as far as software goes, I, I don't I think when you get beyond that, I don't think they want I don't think they actually want too much more than that. I don't understand this. So we're it's 2017, and Jerry argues that Google is an OEM. It just spent a billion dollars on 2,000 HTC engineers. Is there an AOSP that is even usable? No. Can and you build no. Android? Um, and we see it on something like Lineage OS, right? There's still so much work. It's not a turnkey experience for some, you know, modder to go in and build an AOSP and just deploy it to like the OnePlus 2. Um, it just, it doesn't happen. It's an excellent base. And, and it's no more than that. You You have to have manufacturer support added to it. You have to almost have a user interface added to it. What they give you is not something you're going to love. Uh, it's you know, and then as far as application supports, you, you get you get a phone, you get uh, an email client, and I think that's about it. All right, this actually dovetails really nicely into the beginning of the podcast show notes. So we're now um, we're now an hour into recording this show, and we're finally hitting the beginning of the ah. show notes. Um, that's how awesome this this podcast is. So we're we're talking a ton about the Pixel 2 and the Pixel 2 XL and and the problems that people are experiencing with these phones. And Jerry, you just wrote your your review on the smaller Pixel 2 and you said it's basically as perfect as an Android phone has been yeah. to date for you at for, least for like for me, yes. Not and I objectively I but tried to, you. yes, I tried to make that perfectly clear. This wasn't an objective article. This was, Jerry, do you love this phone? And if so, why? 
And right. to me, yeah, this is the the phone that I really want to use. And the weird thing is the runner-up would be last year's small pixel if I couldn't have this year's. It's just, you know, I know they didn't build it for me, but they did the things I want and and not much more. So I would like to talk to you about the um, <clears throat> the, the huge disparity between what we're hearing on one side of the argument, which is literally everything is wrong with these phones. <laughs> and on the other side, there are so many people who are saying that this is the perfect phone for them. They're not having any issues. You know, our, our former Android Central edit, uh, editor, uh, Florence Ion, she just wrote a piece for Android Authority. It's really good. She says yep. it's the perfect phone for her. Jerry, yep. you say it's the perfect phone for you. I've been using this as my daily driver. It's pretty much perfect for me too. Russell, you have the kind of blue pixels so you suck and i hate you yes but oh it's the it's I'm the perfect it against phone for my you. face right now i would still um, want it i'd like so to how, does, really it, how does that happen uh, well you know to be candid i think a lot of the hate is from people who never had it and never wanted to have it unfortunately we see that with every phone people are fans of companies and they want to make things bad for everybody else. I, I don't I don't understand that, but it happens. And number two, it's it's a it's it's a mass produced product. I I have no doubt that a lot of people with the small pixel have clicking when they're on a call in the top earpiece. I don't, but if I did, I would be raising hell loud just like they are. So I mean that that's that's a thing too. If let's say you know arbitrarily they sold a million of them and 985,000 of them are fine, and the rest click. Well, that's a lot of problems, and we're going to hear from people that have problems, and you can't just ignore that. So we talk about it, and that makes other people hear about people that have problems, and it just builds. I, I You know, I, I'm sorry if your phone clicks. It, my advice, send that son of a bitch back I'm sorry. Send that son of a gun back to Google and tell them you need a new one. And if it clicks, do it again. That's a pain, but you don't deserve to have a phone that clicks because there are ones that don't. And, you know, that's just one example. There's other examples, especially with the screen on the XL. The phones, the hardware side there, they're not perfect because they're mass produced. So, but here's the thing. I'm not sure so many of these issues are hardware related. I mean, obviously the 2XL screen is a known Maybe. quantity, but Google was able to fix or ostensibly fix a lot of the problems with both models in software updates. Uh, they said that the microphone issue has been fixed in an update or will be. Uh, the clicking um, issue has been fixed because it's it's an NFC problem. It'll be fixed with a software update. I'm just wondering, like, A, how, how does this get past QC? And B, uh, is there anything inherently wrong with, the, with this hardware if so many of these problems are software-related? I have an unfortunate theory. Uh-oh. And, and keep in mind that this is a theory not backed up by anything. This is, this is just a thing that I've been thinking about for a little while and haven't done any actual research on. We had a, a really weird moment on stage during the uh, the Google event where all of this stuff got announced, where it, it was almost a joke that 
there weren't enough of the original pixels to go around last year. Right. Right. Uh, like, like there, there was a, there, there was a moment there was like a tacit acknowledgement that yes, we had trouble shipping these and, and there was a, there was a stock problem this year. Um, you know, but, but it was, it was, it was very quickly caveated with levity and, and, you know, kind of a, a, a promise that that won't be as, as big an issue this year. And I, I think what we're seeing here is, is the, the unintended consequence of that. Cause Google seems to be pretty good about replacing these. Yep. You know, the, the ones that, the ones that are wrong, you know, from, from a consumer's perspective, I've seen quite a number of consumers who have had problems with these and, and the conversations with, with, you know, uh, Google people, they seem, uh, they, they seem more willing to replace these in, in conversations than, uh, than, conversations I've had with support reps for say Samsung or Motorola or something like that, you know? So I'm, I don't know. I, I feel like, I, I feel like Google kind of, or, or maybe Google's supplier, uh, maybe knew some of this was going to happen. You know, that that's a, it's a, a hell of an accusation to make and I, I don't make it lightly and I certainly don't make it officially, but that that's how it feels, you know? I, I you know, a, a great example of that, uh, a lot of people listening are going to know who Paul's Hardware is. He's a YouTuber, and he does computer builds and stuff. He has a, a – I think it's an XL, and the camera died. And if you go into settings and help, it, it tells you to tweet your problem to Google support. He did. Fifteen minutes later, let's take this to DM so we can get you another phone. That There was no hesitation. There was no, well, you right. need to try to reset it and do all this other nonsense. It was just, okay, let's – talk privately so we know how to send you I, another phone. I think I think on some level what we're seeing here is is Google is still not very good at being a hardware company. No. You know, last year last year it was really clear that Google was very bad at being a hardware company because, you know, d- despite this amazing relationship they had with Verizon Wireless, they couldn't keep the phone in the stores. Like yeah. even like well after the hype <laughs> period for a phone, uh, you know, going into a Verizon store and asking for a pixel was, was a joke. Like they, they would look at you and be like, no, we haven't had one of those in weeks. And um, this is like months after the, the phone was, was released, let alone the, the stuff that was on the Google store this year. It, they seem, you know, to have done better than that. And we know from, from Google's earnings calls, uh, that, uh, that demand for these phones and, and sales for these phones has, have been higher than the pixel, which, you know, you couldn't have done worse. Uh, uh. Um, but, uh, you know, so, so it, it feels like, you know, supply chain was, was a pretty clear thing that they wanted to address, but they, they definitely don't seem to have had their, their finger on the pulse for this, uh, the, the, you know, QA stuff. Uh, and, and some of this comes down to Google doesn't own any of this stuff. You know, they, they don't own the factories that are that are making any yeah. of these phones. The they you know, the, the best they can do is next time go to their partner and say, you know, we want to add this much QA language into our contract with you for this phone, uh, to to make sure that something like this doesn't happen again next time. Uh, right. I, I hate to think that, you know, the people at, at an LG assembly plant care more about the v30 than they do the 2xl but if you told me that was the case i couldn't be that surprised so hang on just one second here and let me let me try to put my a little bit of my perspective 
Apple, and I, I know people hate when I bring it up, but <laughs> Apple doesn't own any any of its um, any of its own manufacturing facilities either. And God knows there have been Apple phones with hardware and software problems galore. I'm not saying that there haven't, but I think that it's not unfair of us to expect Apple level QC not at from all. a company as big as Google. No, no I, I completely agree. And that, that's why I, I preface what I said with Google is still not very good at being a hardware company. And, and it makes me nervous uh, when I think about things like this, this really expensive pixel book uh, or the, the pixel buds that are about to come out, which are, you know, a lot of sensitive parts in very small packages or uh, in the not so distant future, the uh, the the Google Home Max. Uh, which is another kind of high-end, very expensive product that people are going to be buying and putting in their homes. Hardware problems at this level with with these price tags is very difficult to swallow. And it's a thing that, you know, the the people like me who have been using Google stuff forever, you know, that we joke that, you know, everything that Google does is in beta for a little while. Um, but they really just can't afford for their hardware division to keep being in beta. Like, they, they really just kind of can't. You know, I... Rick Osterlow knows this. Rick Osterlow knows I, his yeah. stuff. And yeah. it would, you know, this year there are different problems, maybe a little bit with some QC, but we heard today the, the blue pixels back in stock. Well, the blue pixel never came back in stock last year. So he's fixed part of the issue. Next year he'll address some of this. It won't be as quick as we like, but I think he knows that they have to reach that Apple level where they go to their manufacturer and say, look, this is how you will do this. And if X number of the product doesn't meet our standards, you lose this much money out of your contract because that's exactly what Apple does. And the, com- oh, yeah. the companies that build stuff for Apple are happy to do it because they're they're building a lot of parts and making good money on it. So well, and that's how a lot of those QA agreements work regardless. Right. Like that, that's just how like there, there are penalties for, you know, for yes. both not being able to ship a certain amount and then for a certain failure rate. I, I, I used to work at a place that made those luggage carts you see at the airport. They were called FMC. It's one of my first jobs out of college. And that's exactly how our contract was. I did a little bit of the electronics to make the thing steer. But another part of our factory actually built it from sheet metal and, and, it welded it together and they took, you know, a semi truck full of them at a time. And if there was more than X number of them that came off the truck with defects, we didn't get paid. We had to pay to ship them back and fix them all. So that's incentive. Our, our manufacturing, you know, bosses were hard on us. This has got to be better. And, and it's also, it's a, it also becomes a difficult conversation to have as people who are, who are, in, you know, in one way or another evangelists for this hardware, you know, I, I really enjoy the pixel too. And I, you know, in spite of many conversations uh, <laughs> with, with other people to the contrary, I really like the pixel two XL and it's hard to have those conversations with people because you, you now have this laundry list of potential problems with this phone that, that people who are shopping are seeing, like they, they read these lists and the, you know, it's hard to to you know explain to these people that these are these are not widespread problems. There's just a lot of them, 
Like, you know, there, there are very few people who have the, the audio clicking problem that also have the display flashing problem that also have the, you know, the, these other things. And that's not a good argument to have to begin with. Like the phone just should be good. But it's, uh, you know, it very quickly becomes tarnishing to the reputation because, you know, what's this what's this combination of, of problems that you could potentially have when you get this phone? And, you know, why are you spending that much money to begin with on a thing that could potentially have this list of problems? Well, that is all true. And I I think that's a really good point. I also just wonder how many people are even aware of these, of this long yeah, list of problems, which um, is good and, and bad. You know, I, like I, I read our, like I was reading through the comments in Jerry's pixel two review, God help us. And <laughs> I wonder, you know, there's two very different tiers of Android users. There's the, you know, we like to call them the core users that visit AC every day and they read all of our stuff and they really care about the nuances between an OLED screen from Samsung and from LG. And then there are people who just want a phone and they walk into Verizon and they see an iPhone 10 and they see a Galaxy Note 8 and they see maybe if Google spent enough on the merchandising display, a Pixel 2 and Pixel 2 XL. And they go, oh, that's cool. I know Google. They make phones now. And then the guy is who is likely paid by Google or Samsung or Apple or both or all three says, yeah, these are the advantages. This is blah, blah, blah. I don't know how much a part of popular culture these Pixel 2 issues are. Like, I'll give you an example. Every couple of weeks, my, you know, the CBC, which is the Canadian national broadcaster, they call me up and they say, hey, we heard about this tech problem. Can you talk about it on the radio? I get, to, I get called all the time about things f- pertaining to Facebook, to Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, and Apple. Oh. I'm sorry. I don't get called about problems with Google phones, right? Right. And I just don't know if the if if these products are as entrenched in popular culture as the average AC reader thinks it is. Well, it's a question. Do you ever get calls about problems with Samsung? Yes, but only when it blows up in people's pockets. Like this. Oh, well, like the, okay, fair enough. The well. Note 7 was very very interesting because it on some in some ways it actually helped samsung um it it gave them a gave them a redemption story right so i had tons of calls around the time that the product the product was being recalled first and second time and then in the months afterwards i would get you know okay well is the galaxy s8 going to actually be a big deal is it going to blow up and this year we've heard nothing but great things about samsung products that helped. I actually think people now are more willing to trust Samsung because they made such an effort to redeem themselves. Yes, I, I thought they handled it wonderfully, and it made their hardware better. I, I, I have my own qualms with Samsung software, but by God, the things they make are beautiful and work well. And this made them even more beautiful and work even better. Jerry, I, I know that this is getting into the weeds a little bit, but... There's also a very prominent discussion is putting it n- nicely <laughs> oh, between God. you know Google stands and Samsung stands around which is better you know the stock quote quote stock Android experience or Samsung or like OEM Android experience but it's not that's not even a thing because 
Samsung still relies on right. Google for so it's, much of its success. Yeah, I, I, a lot of people, including myself, will complain about some of the ways Samsung does things on their phone. But all those things underneath are Google. Uh, you know, the, Samsung has some of their own services. S, S Health is a, a great example. You can tell they've put time and money and made S Health something wonderful, better than anything Google has to offer. Other things like uh, their contacts, uh, that's just what Google gave them with whatever polish they thought they could put on it. Uh, it's One is not better than the other. Let's, let's be honest. I... I like what Google does better because I don't like putting up with the small idiosyncrasies that Samsung gives me. There are other people that are in the exact opposite situation, and we're both right. It's not that big of a deal, especially to people who aren't us. But yeah, there are I, a lot of people who care. So. Right, and and it's good to care. And as you, But you do need to understand and... You know, don't get mad at me, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm one of you still. It's, it, it, in the end, underneath, it's still the same stuff. And if there's one certain thing you just hate about one phone, there's another thing on the phone that you love that a lot of people just hate. We're all individuals, and thank God there's more than just the Android and Android S to pick from. Yeah, no, that's true. Okay, so um, let's let's move along because I, I want to talk a little bit about. Uh, what happened this week with the November releases, Jerry, um, instead of it just being a security patch for the Pixel and Pixel 2, uh, Pixel and Pixel 2, it, it was sort of a feature update. This is the first yeah. time that Google has actually done this, where it's fixed some actual phone problems in a monthly update, or at least it's it's the first time that it's been public. Right. Um, does this herald a change in the way that Google handles yes. software updates for the Pixel? Absolutely. Yes. Uh those those little tweaks that that got put in, you know, to the to the pixels, and some of them went back to Nexus phones. Uh, they they had to be done because of issues with the XL or issues with screens flashing. So it was foolish to wait until eight point one rolls out to do those. The longer you wait, the more people are going to get angry. So sending them out with the security patch was the smart way, and. It's something that they've done before. They've done, you know, small tweaks and small fixes and never really said anything about it. And you had to go deep into the XDA forums to learn more about it. But they they have a, a Pixel Updates page and they finally used it. They're like, okay, look, we've got the November 6th security update plus these fixes. And then they listed each one individually. And that's great. That's what Verizon does. When your Galaxy S8 Plus from Verizon gets updated, you go to Verizon's website, and there's a, a page you can click, and it tells you everything that's in it. And down at the bottom, it'll be you know some security-related things. But more importantly, it's the features that were fixed or tweaked or added. And that's how Google needs to do it with the Pixel because it's no longer a nerd phone. I just wonder, you know, this is... This is sort of Google learning. It's 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 like they're they're taking advantage of an opportunity here um, to change the way that it does updates. Obviously, yep. with the Pixel Two, it promised three years of platform updates, along with three years of monthly security updates, but feature updates, things that you know they they refer to um, changes 
pertaining to like three, the network three in the UK mm-hmm. optimizations for the network. Sometimes security updates include cellular improvements. Right. Um, but not often do they include things like fixes for Bluetooth, uh, you know, Bluetooth dropping out in a right. car. Right. I mean, it, unless it would be a, a bug that needed fixed, you know, that just was a bug in the OS. But this is something that they they did work to make Bluetooth work better in a car and added it to the security patch. So you're absolutely right. There's a big difference there. Uh, I think they have to do this, though. They, they, they have to because Samsung, we, we complain about their updates, but they'll update Knox or if there's a bug in the gallery or whatever, they'll send that out to Verizon and T-Mobile and AT&T and you'll get two or three updates in between Android platform updates. If Google only updated the Pixel with that kind of stuff when there was a platform update, that means little bugs that bothered people would be six, eight months between fixes, and that's unacceptable. All right, but apparently the update or the fix for the crack vulnerability, the WPA2 Wi-Fi mm-hmm. vulnerability that got ha- highly publicized in late October is not actually in the November security patch. What's what's going on with that? I. You know, I don't know where to look. I've heard both. Uh, if it's not in there, and I believe the people that are telling me that it's not in there, Google needs to let us know why. There's a reason that it wasn't included, and that's something that they need to be forthcoming with. If it is in there, then what's going on that makes very knowledgeable people think that it's not? There's something that requires uh, you know, feedback from Google. And I have asked, and there's a very good chance I'm not going to get an answer for something like this because PR doesn't like to deal with this kind of stuff, no matter what company. But I would love to know what's going on. I have, you know, looked at the places in the code where people have pointed me to, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I see what you're talking about. And then another person will say, well, that means that it was fixed. And and I'm I'm at a loss. I'm not a, a network you know, guy, I, I don't know, but I want to know really bad. Well, I have no doubt that it'll get updated in uh, next month's patches. Well, that's just, what they said last month. I want an answer. Fair enough. And, and you yeah. know, the chances are your phone, like people, person listening to this has not received the update yet, but we also haven't heard um, any widespread uh, indications of, of the vulnerability being, um, being taken advantage of you know no. you have to be in physical proximity right. to some to somebody's wi-fi network or or device this and it, it was more of a oh my god look how scary this is what if you know mm. what if somebody could figure out how to do this remotely this is horrible this has been here for so long we have to fix this because it's directly related to your security your passwords your identity that made it very important as far as is this going to hit you in the wild i tried to temper people when i wrote about it it's no probably not and there are a few things you could do just to make sure it's not going to happen at all but it still existed and had to be fixed because it had to do with your you know your your id yeah that's fair all right russell i want to talk about Yo. something uh that you wrote about and it has to do with spatial audio. This is really interesting, but it 
it kind of goes over my head. So I'd like you to explain it both from a phone user's perspective and a VR and AR user's perspective. Uh, Google announced something called Resonance Audio. It's an SDK that will allow developers to basically create, like, what is it, three-dimensional audio for uh, virtual reality experiences? Yeah, so it's it's actually it'll be for for VR and AR and and web you know things. It's uh, Google built this for for anything that could apply to to spatial things in general. And I think on some level this probably starts with uh, this probably started as a, as a continued exploration for like the spotlight stories. Yeah, because you know a big thing with the spotlight stories is that kind of that feeling of immersion. Uh, you know, even if you just have, even if you're just holding your phone up in front of you and moving around to to capture that spatial audio is really important there. Uh, and and you know, for the uninitiated, spatial audio is really just you know feeling like the audio is coming from different places all around you. You know, so like when you when you are watching, you know, for example, a spotlight story, and your phone is pointed at the the person who's talking, it is louder when you are pointed at that person than it would be if you had turned away in much the same way that, you know, it would be that the audio would be slightly distorted to your actual ears. If someone was talking in front of you and you turned away from them and were focused elsewhere. So it's, it's that, that kind of recreation. And so it is, it's very important to virtual reality. There are, there are some really amazing examples of VR video and, and games where the developers have spent just a tremendous amount of time building their own spatial audio experiences to, to give that effect. And what Google's doing here is creating a library to make it much easier for anybody uh, to, 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 you know, kind of create those spatial audio experiences for a bunch of different platforms. So it's not just daydream. It's not just, uh, it's, it's not just, you know, spotlight stories. It's a bunch of different applications to, to really increase spatial audio, you know, as a, as a mechanism for, for better storytelling. Uh, and, and hopefully it gets used a lot. And that's the important thing. When you make something that you can plug in and take away half the hard work, there's a good chance more people will use it. And that's why this is important. So where do you see this predominantly being used at least at first? I think we'll first see this in, uh, web VR experience, uh, experiments, uh, just because that's the, the word experiment there is intentional. This is a place where developers are moving very quickly and they're trying lots of new things. And, and so there, you know, these are, these are often free things that you'll see online. Uh, I, I think that we'll see a couple of web VR experiments show up, probably some made by Google, uh, where, where we'll see that kind of thing. We'll probably see a couple things show up in daydream just because the, the library technically already existed mm-hmm. in, in daydream. Um, as as part of the uh, the audio library, so there may actually be some versions of this that are actually already used in some daydream apps. I would need to talk to a few developers to be absolutely certain, but I I feel like there probably is. Uh, the other place that we're probably going to see a fair bit of this uh, is in AR core. Uh, I, I suspect that uh, that this is a, a big part of Google's uh, sense of realism for things like AR stickers. Uh, or, or you know, the, the other things that are coming next for for AR Core in you know adding audio as a as an immersive source, and it's easy for them, particularly on the pixels, uh, because they have these front firing speakers that they have some control over audio depth and, and things like that because they have these these stereo front firing speakers. So it wouldn't surprise me if the first time a lot of people are aware that they're experiencing this in AR stickers when it comes to to the Pixel Phone, I think in December. 
Um, but where we will probably see it happen first is going to be in web VR experiments and stuff like that. I, I was speaking with a developer because I had a very specific question. Will this help, uh, you know, Samsung's VR? You know, Oculus, Samsung work together, and Gear VR is really good and better than Daydream in a lot of ways. Uh, and they said yes because it gives them ideas. This 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 isn't necessarily going to plug in to what Oculus and, and Samsung are doing, but it shows them how they can take the, you know the the APIs that let VR work on mobile and add this without so much overhead that it kills the experience, which is really important because the difference between hardware and a phone. And Oculus, which runs on your computer, is is as far apart as it can be. So that's a lot of hard work that maybe Google helped. Maybe not for long, right? Uh, Russell, Oculus is coming out with a standalone VR headset early next year. Uh, Santa Cruz, if I'm not mistaken. So no, Santa Cruz won't be until uh, won't be for a little while. This is uh, it, that's the Oculus Go is what's coming out. I'm sorry, uh, Oculus Go. I, I, I know Russell's probably going to yell at me, but he's also going to have to agree a little bit. Do not think the experience on a standalone Oculus headset is going to be nearly as nice as the one that runs off your $5,000 computer. No, no. This is like one of the first things that uh, that uh, John Carmack has said yeah. and, and has been said uh, in a couple times, especially in our coverage on VR heads. This is basically the same thing as a Gear VR Right. Uh, uh, you know, without needing to put your phone in for for Oculus Go, you're you're getting basically the same experience as a Gear VR, which is why uh, they were very very smart in uh, making it so that developers could take their uh, their Gear VR libraries and really conveniently port them to Oculus Go. You're going to see a lot of the uh, games that if you have used a Gear VR. You're going to see a lot of those titles in Oculus Go when it launches, and that's amazing and smart. That is yeah, the I mean, absolute so right way to do this. Yeah, I mean they they built for for lack of a better description, they uh, they they built an Android phone and <laughs> and then wrapped a headset around I, it. I, like that. I, I wonder if part of it isn't running Android to boot up and get started. Oh, no, no, it it one hundred percent is. See, I, uh, okay, I wasn't sure on that. No, I got to talk to you a little later, a little later because I know some of the people working on that part of it. Oh, cool. Uh, and yeah, you know them too. It's it's actually kind of funny. <laughs> so we can hack that thing and I can be able to uh, see into Russell's maybe. webcam. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> one of the things that Carmack said at uh, at Oculus, the, the Oculus developer conference, that one of the challenges that he has right now is the way that they built this thing. There's not a currently convenient way for developers to sideload uh, so that they can like look at their stuff while it's in development yeah. uh, for, for Oculus Go. And so that's one of the things that he wants enabled before it ships. So the developers can can use it as a test device as well because you need to have that. I am glad to have Carmack worrying about those things. He is the right person for that job. Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> yep, having John Carmack on that is very cool. Hopefully, having John Carmack there does not continue to get Oculus's pants suit off. But yeah, <laughs> that's a different matter. All right. Well, uh, speaking of pants suits, uh, Jerry, I do want to talk to you about one last topic, uh, and it has to do with um, porn. What? And, uh, and, and, and torrents. Okay. Okay. So uh, lots of, lots of illicit things, lots of illegal things happen on the internet. And yep. anytime somebody does or does not visit those sites, they may or may not experience some really annoying ads, right? Oh um, yeah. God, takeover yes. ads, redirects, 
trick to click, tons of really crappy ads, things that you would never get on androidcentral.com. It just would never well, happen. Um, now let's let's be fair. This happens on good websites too on accident. And then I know, it gets I'm instantly just kidding. fixed. We have right. we, we don't control our ads all the like we 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 work with our ad partner oftentimes an ad an errant bad ad may show up. So the reason I'm bringing this up Chrome announced that starting with version 64 they will start limiting or making it harder for bad yes. ads to take over your browser. Yes, um, oh and God, yes. will make it really difficult for third parties to redirect you to another web page. Tell yes. us a little bit about this plan because it sounds amazing. Well, I think the 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 best example they have there is when you go to a web page and it's loaded enough where you can start reading something, all of a sudden you get redirected somewhere else. It could be a survey or it could tell you you have 946 porn viruses in your Android or on the desktop. It could be click here, punch the monkey, whatever. It's just crap that you don't want to see and you were pulled away automatically. And when you go hit the back button, you can't go back. You're screwed. That is because somewhere on that page there was it's called an iframe. It's where content from another place gets embedded into a Web page and Bad ads are notorious for using iframes to auto-redirect you to another page. With Chrome 64, instead of being auto-redirected, you're going to get a little notification bar that says that, you know, a, a page element tried to send you away. Click here to learn more. And when you click it, it's going to tell you what it was and then give you a link if, if you really wanted to go. But that means you're not going to get whisked away. It's unable to do it. And that right there, just that makes the web 50% better. Uh, for porn and torrents. Well, no, for, for a lot of, even for accidental things. If we have an ad that takes over your screen and tries to send you somewhere else on Android Central, we don't want it there. We will try to get it fixed just as soon as we can. But in the meantime, if it doesn't happen to you because Chrome helped you, great. We don't want you, we want you to stay at Android Central and read our stuff. So this helps everybody, but it especially helps the uh, fight against the malicious stuff where it auto downloads or puts a, a tracker in there from some ad company that you don't want following you around. A lot of nasty stuff can be done. Uh, more importantly, I think, is what's going to happen in January where they're, you know, you ever get a pop-up window on the web? and This is mostly a desktop thing. And you click the X to close it, and 900 other windows open, and the background page goes somewhere else. And it's crap, and it asks you to download all this stuff. That's because the close button in that window wasn't really a close button. It was a hyperlink. And you clicked it, and it ran a script that did all this nasty stuff. Google is using the same type of machine learning that they use for their safe browsing. And those are eventually all going to die because it's going to troll the web. It's going to look for that kind of stuff. And when it finds it, it's going to flag the site. The site owner can go to, they'll get an email and they can go to a control console and see why their site was flagged and you get 30 days to fix it. If you don't fix that page in 30 days, you're, the, none of the links on that page work. And it, it, no more. You can't click and go anywhere else in Chrome. So that's... And that's especially, you know, this is a bigger problem on the desktop 
itself because you mobile pages don't usually open small pop-up windows. They'll go full screen. But when it does happen on mobile, a lot of the times it's downloading an APK. It's telling you you've got a virus. Click here to install. All that kind of stuff that can get you in trouble. So Yes. I mean, especially if you're not an expert on this stuff and you're just – and tapping that's on where, random right, things. That's where this stuff is targeted at. If you remember five years ago, your friend's mom had a million toolbars on her Internet Explorer and she didn't know why. She didn't want any of them there. It's because these, and I'll call them scumbags, that make this kind of stuff target people who don't know any better. And if we have to fight them because they won't get better, good, fight them. Go Google Apple already does a lot of this stuff, and they'll see what Google's doing and finish it off. Uh, Safari's going to be the same way. Microsoft, they're not going to stand back and say, hey, we're the only browser that lets this crap happen. Edge is going to be the same way, and this particular thing or series of things is dead. They'll have to reinvent ways to scam you, and I love it. Yeah, that, that really does sound like it's a, like a, a wholly positive change for yes. the internet. Mobile Absolutely. and desktop alike. Absolutely. And, you know, Chrome has the the, mar- the big market share for web browsers, but they're not the only web browser. And other companies that aren't already doing a lot of this stuff, they're all going to follow suit. So, yes, it fixes the Internet as a whole. It's, it's really interesting. And just like final thought, Google was criticized this week for not um, doing enough to – check spam and and other malicious software in its chrome extensions library uh and it just it sounds it's so interesting i mean we hear about all of this stuff google you know android is insecure and it has so much malware and yet google is doing all this stuff to prevent malware from getting onto the play store um google chrome is is one of the safest browsers out there and yet all of these terrible ads are out there allowing malicious software to to be downloaded the Chrome, you know, extensions library is full of awesome stuff, and yet it's trying to kill your 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 browser. Um, you know, which is it, or is it just that Google is trying everything and it just can't keep up? Well, the 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 Chrome extensions that there's a reason that you don't have extensions on mobile, and this is part of it. Uh, the Chrome extensions in question, Google should have definitely caught them. There should be a person that looks at every single extension. I don't care if it takes 100 people, 100 years. These all need to be checked. If you're going to call your browser and your operating system the best, then you need to live up to that. Let's get that clear. But you install the extension. It follows the rules in the Chrome store. Everything is fine. Everything is cool. And then the next time you start up Chrome, it downloads a component from somewhere else. It asks you if you want to install it. You think, oh, this is part of that cool extension. Well, yes. And you click it, and it installed garbage. And that's, you know, is it your fault because you said yes? Sure. Are you the one that should have to worry about that stuff when the people that make the program you're using say how safe it is? No. Google needed to address that. I don't know what they're going to do. I I hope they go as far as saying that extensions can no longer download third-party content. Screw you. Let a few bad apples spoil it for everybody because good developers will figure out how to work with that. Right. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty much spent and ready for (laughs) another cup of coffee. So 
I think we're going to leave it there for this week. Uh, just a, a heads up, next week, Andrew, Martinick, and I, along with our new uh, video uh, associate video editor, Hayato Huseman, uh, will be in New York for the OnePlus 5T event. That is not something that you shouldn't know. This is public knowledge. It's November 16th at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. And uh, we will be there live. We will do a podcast from New York after that if we can. Otherwise, it'll be the following day going over everything that OnePlus announces. We know a lot about the phone already, both from leaks and from OnePlus itself. Lots to look forward to there. So please stay tuned uh, we'll have tons of cool stuff for you next week. Yep. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Are you guys you, you guys looking forward to the OnePlus 5T? I mean, it seems like it's got a lot of good stuff going for it. I'm looking forward to remembering a time where we didn't have a new phone coming out in six days. Because <laughs> uh, it feels like like we used to have like a season where we were like, cool, new phones come out over the next four months. And this year... Like we had really awesome hardware coming out like every couple weeks and it was kind of nuts. I am very excited about the OnePlus 5T. I kind of feel like I'd have been happier if it was here in April. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be cool. I, I like seeing OnePlus has has really grown up as a company and their their hardware keeps getting more awesome and they keep really jumping on the whole price line thing. So in a year where we have $1,000 phones, uh, I'm really interested Ooh. to see what OnePlus does to, to to be like, hey guys, your phones are cute and all, but I'm I'm eager to see what they do. Absolutely, and and I'll get even more specific. If you don't want to spend nine hundred dollars on a Pixel XL, the OnePlus Five T will be supported as good or better by third party developers, and you will have that Pixel experience for. A whole lot less. I, I don't know exactly what the price is going to be. I figure 20 bucks more than the OnePlus 5 just because I need a random number. But it's going to be a whole lot less than the Pixel 2 XL. So, and probably have a better screen. Can't ignore that. Oh, you are so right Maybe. about that. We'll see. I, For one, like me personally, it would be really nice to have a OnePlus phone that was actually like VR ready and, yeah. and good. Yeah. Because that's that's been a hang up for me for a little while. I know that that's a weird detail. No, you it's know, not. For, that most people don't care about. But um, it, 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 I'm hoping that comes to this. It's not daydream whether we like it or not. It's a big part of the Android platform now, and yeah. and and vendors that aren't embracing it are are doing a disservice to you. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. Well, we will find out much more about the OnePlus 5T a week from the time of recording. So thank you. Uh, thanks for thanks for tuning in. All right, Jerry, Russell, uh, and, and Dan. I'd like to thank Dan DeSilver for coming yes, on from Thrifter. Cool. He's, um, he's a good guy. Thank you for, for joining us this week. Uh, our final closing sponsor is GameStash. This is something that uh, we've talked about a few days, uh, a few times in the past. If you're interested in getting unlimited games, both for adults and kids, go to GameStash.com and sign up for a two-week trial. It is fantastic. And there are new games being added every single week. That's GameStash.com and sign up for a two-week trial. All right, Jerry, 
Russell, thank you for joining us. You guys are awesome. And we'll see well, you all next awesome week. too, Daniel. Thanks. Bye. Man. Bye-bye.